0: And welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Sophia Schulzen. Sophia is the 2019 2020 Richard S. Herman Fellow at the Yiddish Book Center. Um, She is a senior fellow working in bibliography and also exhibition. An alumna of the Yiddish Book Center's Steiner Summer Yiddish Program and Wesleyan University, Sophia's senior thesis. Was written on the Yiddish folklore collection by Y.L. Kahan and Shmuel Lehman. I hope I got that correct.
1: Yeah, that was great. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> well, then I'll officially welcome you. I always look to you um, for all sorts of information. As you know, Sophia, <laughs> in the two years that you've been here as a fellow, you are a great resource. Um, and today you are here to talk with me about Yiddish OCR.
1: Yes, yes. I feel like I should preface this discussion by saying that, you know, any contribution I I can make to this, you know, conversation about OCR is very much in my capacity as an enthusiast and not as any sort of expert on OCR. Um, (laughs) But as someone who is very, very excited about the existence of Yiddish OCR, I'm happy to discuss it with you.
0: Um, excellent. Well, um, yes, I think that's a good qualifier. First of all, we'll qualify that uh, because of the COVID emergency, COVID emergency, we're both speaking remotely, so if the sound quality is a little different from what everybody's used to, that's why. And uh, we are both having a conversation about OCR for all of the generalists out there and also to um, infuse a little enthusiasm while everybody's home and see what we can all find using OCR. So... Um, And at the end, I may direct listeners to uh, a little bit of a presentation that we, well, you did with us um, at the Yiddish Book Center a while ago where we talked a little bit about the background and also the technical stuff. So that might be a nice add-on to this. But let's start um, by talking a little bit about what OCR is. And while it's familiar to both of us in terms of terminology, and it's something that a lot of people aren't aware that they use every day, not with Yiddish, but um, with English language on the, on the web. Um, let's talk a little bit about what it means, um, if you could.
1: Sure, sure. Um, so OCR stands for Optical Character Recognition. Um, and what it means, at least for our purposes, is um, the ability to convert um, An image of a a page of text into um, Searchable text. So essentially from a picture into, you know, a a document of text um, That can, you know, you can select certain parts of it and, you know, copy and paste them, but you can also um, search the words in that document. Um, And so, like you said, this is something that we sort of take for granted when it comes to um, English OCR, we use it to do research all the time um google books is a great example of it um but you know it's something that for other languages um has only started to come about um more recently and in the case of yiddish very very recently um thanks to asaf Urieli, um who wrote the program that is used for our ocr website
0: right and um there are many attendant problems with optical character recognition with yiddish and so just a quick backstory for everybody, about ten years ago, uh, we received a call from Asaf who is in the pyrenees and he 's doing all of this work and he was looking um, He was looking into developing this uh, he 's something of a genius with this kind of uh, development and he needed a partner and the partner he was looking for was somebody who had digitized yiddish text and obviously the Yiddish Book Center's Digital Yiddish Library, we have 11,000-plus books digitized. And so he needed that access um, to uh, try out the software and to develop it and also um, was looking for somebody who would be able to develop it in terms of putting the software online, which we were very excited to do because it opens up Yiddish literature in ways that we could never have Quite imagined or hoped for. Otherwise, we would have to have people reading all eleven thousand plus volumes in order to find references. Is that a safe description, Sophia?
1: Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I, I would only add that I really think it is impossible to uh, understate how exciting of a development this is, both for us and for you know the Yiddish speaking and reading world uh, at large.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, Asaf has opened up an entire literature to scholars, readers, enthusiasts, in in ways, as I say, that we couldn't have imagined. So let's talk a little bit about this. We announced um, that we had a public-facing, and we still do, beta site, and we call it a beta site because this technology or this software application basically has to has to learn by use and making making mistakes. Um, so we announced that this was up and running end of last year. And you, Sophia, had worked on some of the program testing along with other fellows and sort of a cohort of others along with ASAF and um, over the years. So can you talk a little bit about how you began working on that testing and some of the early things that you began to discover?
1: Sure. So the the beta testing process, which, as you said, is still going on, although in a sort of a more open format right now, is a really important part of the development process because um, the program continues to learn and kind of improve on itself based on corrections and observations that are sent in from beta testers uh, like myself and like um, others who were given early access and are now sort of continuing to give feedback now that there's open access. Um, But for us, it was a fantastic opportunity because it meant that in addition to um, helping with the development of the program, we also began to explore its capabilities um, early on so that once access was opened up, we could give some more concrete examples of its potential uses. And so specifically, um, as a fellow, it is an incredibly useful tool um, because... We receive uh, emails and phone calls all the time uh, from people who, you know, are interested in all sorts of things and all sorts of aspects of the work we do. But but overwhelmingly, um, the questions that we get are from people who remember, you know, single lines from songs that they were sung by their parents or grandparents when they were younger, or, you know, short stories that they, um, they read in, you know, the Shalom Aleichem shuls um, when they were kids um, and that they, you know, would love to rediscover and, you know, reread, um, you know, learn the songs again later on in life, um, but they have no way of finding them. Um, And for a long time, even though we at the Yiddish Book Center had access to this enormous body of literature, um, it was incredibly difficult to assist with questions like that, um, because unless The title of the song was in the title of a book or unless someone on staff already knew where to find the song or the story or even like you know the saying that they were looking for um, it was pretty much impossible to uh, to search for them Um, we we ended up hitting dead ends pretty quickly Um, what OCR allows us to do is rather than just you know search in the regular Spielberg uh, library, which is of course incredibly useful, um, for other things we can now search specific phrases, um, specific um, configurations of words, and even if those configurations of words don't appear in the titles of books, uh, you know, uh, collections of short stories, uh, song books, uh, even if, as long as they appear anywhere in the text of a book that is uh, available through the OCR site, um, we can find it. Um, And so now we can help out um, with all of these, uh, you know, all of these questions that people come to us with all of these, you know, earworms that people have had (laughs) stuck in their head for decades um, that we can finally help them address. Right.
0: And the the one example that I sometimes cite to people is, because some of these emails would come my way was people were always looking for the Dybbuk and, um, of Anski's. And because most, I think it's safe to say and correct me here, uh, Yiddish books don't have table of contents. It makes it really hard unless you know which volume of the Anski that is in and then which page it's on. So again, this was huge in terms of, um, not having to have the institutional knowledge of having gone through the book page by page by page to find that reference.
1: Um, right, and and so, you know yeah. even even if the books do have tables of contents, which I mean some of them do. Sometimes they're in the back of the book, so they're hard to find. Um, but even if they do have the table of contents, it still means that you have to you know open each individual document and search through each individual pay, uh, each individual mm-hmm. book um, for the table of contents, and then search the table of contents manually um, for the specific title that you're looking for. And you know if you're talking about an anthology of poetry and you know sometimes there are multiple poems per page and so the table of contents itself can sometimes be you know like five pages long and if you're looking at you know seven different poetry anthologies and you're looking at the table of contents for each of those you know it's an incredibly time-consuming process and you know you still might come up with nothing
0: and that's an example of somebody going at this um Maybe this is a funny analogy, but like you would with a, an old-fashioned card catalog, you, you you understand what you're looking for. Now you just have to do the hard um, work of the detective work. But what's really cool, I think, about this is also that you can find things that you didn't even know existed in in these books. And I think you have examples. Like um, maybe talk about the typewriter.
1: Sure. Yes. So okay. this was I mean this was one of the first really big projects um that we were able to accomplish using OCR and I actually I discuss it in the presentation that um you mentioned um that I did with with Susan Bronson and with Amber Clooney um that you uh, were going to play at the end um but uh in conjunction with our New, our newly reignited interest in the typewriter collection that we have at the Yiddish Book Center. And the typewriter collection is in, you know, physical uh, typewriter machines that we have at the Yiddish Book Center. Um, we are hoping to um, present a little bit about, you know, the literature um, in which, you know, typewriters make an appearance. Um, the role that Yiddish, that Yiddish typewriters play in Yiddish literature, both as sort of the the tool by which it is produced, but also as kind of, you know, a phenomenon that appears in the stories. Um, And so again, if we were stuck simply searching, you know, keywords in the titles of books, we would not have been able to produce very much. But um, because um, we embarked on this project right around the time that we were first given you know, beta access to the OCR site, um, we were able to search the digital library um, for mentions of Yiddish typewriter, of, well, typewriters, but in Yiddish. Um, using OCR. And we came up with some really incredible things. Um, my personal favorite um, is a, a chapter in um, Hana Gottesfeld's uh, memoir, in which he discusses um, his early days working at the the forward, at the forwards, um, where he was essentially, he was um, Abraham Kahn's uh, typewriter as, you know, as the person who, who typed his dictations for him. Um, and he tells this fantastic story <laughs> about uh, how he essentially lied and told Kahan that He knew how to use a typewriter when he did not know how to use a typewriter, and he spent his whole first morning there panicking that Kahn was going to come in um, (laughs) and expect him to be able to keep up with him as he was, you know, dictating his articles, and that he uh, didn't even know how to type with one finger, much less his whole hand. He didn't even know how to take the cover off of the typewriter, Um, and Gottesfeld eventually went on to become a humor columnist, and so uh, his memoir is is written in this incredible voice. Voice, which sort of beautifully uh, encapsulates his panic in this moment, but in this incredibly humorous way. Um, and so I'm definitely hoping that that episode um, will become a part of, uh, you know, our typewriter exhibit because it is as much a, a part of the history of the Yiddish typewriter as the physical machines. And actually um, the fact that I discovered that story in Gottesfeld's um, um, memoir um meant that uh i was able to discover another sort of episode in his memoir that i eventually translated for the upcoming translation issue of pockentrager so it's sort of um you know it's it, it sent ripple effects out in all directions uh, the ocr site did
0: yeah you can go down many many rabbit holes um with it um i understand that i think aaron lansky was uh at a dinner shortly after we announced this and somebody came up to him and suggested that <laughs> she had been up uh, scholar for like 3 nights all night long just going wild with <laughs> using OCR to find stuff i mean you know for scholarship it's it's wonderful the the story that you just mentioned is a, just an incredible little sort of vignette um that would have you know, who knows if anybody ever would have found that, um, what's the likelihood. Um, so these are just wonderful ways to understand and access. Um, genealogy comes into play a little bit, um, in terms of being able to access some of the Yisker books, that's technology that's still in development because of the way that when let's just, if I may deviate for a minute, if a book includes, uh, a photograph or if it's columns of type like a newspaper would be presented, that um, software is still in the works because of, because of the way that, uh, I don't want to get into a lot of te- technical depth here, but anyway, it doesn't work if there's something that the scanning mechanism bumps into, such as a photograph, which it can't then translate into a text. Um, so those things remain um, to be, resolved in the next year or so. Um, But again, with genealogy, you could look up, and I think you have in certain instances within the literature, Sophia, uh, references to a town that a writer might have come from, and you found a couple of choice things there, yes?
1: Yes. Um, So as you said, um, we are unable to uh, make many of the Yisker books uh, available through OCR right now in part because of what you said and I believe also in part because um, Yisker books more than other types of books are often written in multiple languages Um, and so um, that I think also uh, presents an issue um, with converting the images uh, into text if the text is in multiple languages. Um, But if Uh, we're conducting projects on, um, Yiddish writers. Um, it's less of an issue because, uh, you know, Yiddish writers wrote about each other all the time. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in Yisker books. They wrote about each other, uh, in their memoirs, uh, in, you know, their essays. Uh, and so for the project that we are working on right now, this, uh, the Bronx Bohemians blog, um, which I'm working on with the, our bibliographer, David Mesauer, um, we've been finding OCR incredibly useful um, because uh, the the conceit for the, the blog is that um, there was this literary salon in the Bronx at the home of Bertha and Yechiel Kling, um, and it was comprised of these, you know, incredibly prolific um, Yiddish writers who, you know, lived near each other and um, uh, spent a lot of time together and then also wrote about each other. And so um, if we want to you know write about the relationships between these writers and about sort of the ways that they influenced each other's writing Um, OCR is an incredibly useful tool um, because we can you know search these writers names and of course we'll come up with the writing that they produced themselves um, but we'll also come up with the writing that they produced about each other um, which is not necessarily something that we would have been able to find if we were just searching um, the digital library Um, and so we have already been able to use that in a number of ways We've found, you know, poems uh, written by uh, certain writers dedicated to other writers. Um, We've found, you know, whole chapters of books written about um, writers. Um, And, you know, as you said, um, we've found, uh, you know, instances where they write about, you know, their hometowns, um, uh, instances where they write about, you know, their childhoods in ways that um, you don't necessarily see in the... um, you know, like the the writers' lexicons, um, the places where we would normally go to find biographical information about these writers. Um, And so we've been able to learn so much more about them um, by, you know, utilizing the the OCR technology um, and searching really like through the books rather than just kind of searching around the books, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and so um, we've been also trying to solicit stories from others about what they're finding because the range of things that people are looking for and unearthing is really exciting. Um, I did a podcast, oh, I don't know, about six weeks ago uh, about the Harry Potter translation, and our OCR was used in that um, by uh, uh, Avrum, who did the translation and used OCR to look for references in yiddish that would help to name characters and places and things like that so just quirky wonderful um uses for it so that segues into um uh with with everybody being home um, we launched a social media campaign that you are sort of spearheading sophia um to encourage people to use ocr so if you can quickly tell people how easy it is um, to sign up to use this and then also let's encourage everybody to get in there and and look for stuff and then share with us some of what they're finding.
1: Yes, so I believe all you need um, in order to sign up for to use the OCR site is a Gmail account or a Facebook account. I believe those are the the two ways that you can sign up and you just sort of you put in your email address or your Facebook login and your password and you you know you can use the whole site Um, and then it provides a you know a Yiddish keyboard the same way that the Spielberg uh, Digital Library does so you can sort of click letters with the mouse if you don't have a keyboard yourself. And then, yeah, we really just love to encourage people to explore um, in whatever way they would like to. I mean, I think once people realize that this is a part of their toolbox, it will... um, you know, people will start using it in ways that we can't really predict right now. Um, but uh, once people start to use it in those ways, we would love for you to share uh, your discoveries um, on social media using the hashtag Yiddish OCR. Um, if and when do you discover anything? I really think um, the way that Arun used uh, the technology uh, in his translation of Harry Potter, is absolutely fascinating, and um, is sort of is one of the ways that I'm I'm most excited about people using OCR um, just to sort of to learn more about the Yiddish language, which you know because of the sort of the variability of dialects and um, the incredibly long span of time in which it was used, you know dictionaries can only take you so far in understanding the meanings of words um and because now we can use ocr to search this enormous body of yiddish literature for instances where certain words were used we can essentially you know cross-reference the contexts in which those words were used and we can um uh we can sort of uh, acquire a much deeper understanding of, you know, their connotations in addition to their, you know, denotations. Um, And so I'm, I'm incredibly excited uh, to see what people come up with.
0: Um, So just a couple of things for those who are listening. Um, Again, we want to say how grateful we are to Asafirelli for the work he's done. Um, The software that he created is called joker j-o-c-h-r-e it's available through the yiddish book center um having worked collaboratively with us off to bring this to fruition and we continue to um, have him working on these additional uh, improvements or uh, let's call them different uh, options because we will soon be able to scan um, use ocr to scan the digitized Yiddisher books, as well as um, hopefully newspapers in the not too distant future. So, um, a couple of things: you do not need to have necessarily um, a Gmail account. You can sign up with um, any email account. And the place that you'll find this is ocr. Yiddishbookcenter. And you can sign up. This is uh, free and available to everybody. So we want to encourage you to use it and see what great finds you can you can find out there and share with us, as Sophia has, because it's just an amazing tool. One that may get me to learn Yiddish yet, just so <laughs> I can explore. Because <laughs> there's so much there. So um, thanks again. Um, anything to add, Sophia, before
1: we sign off? Um. No, I mean, uh, unless unless you want a taste of what I've been using OCR for right now, but I can oh, also oh, save yeah. that.
0: Oh, yeah, no, let, share it um, before we sign off. That would be wonderful because you are incredible in terms of unearthing stuff lately. It's really fun.
1: So I, I can give you I can give you two options. Uh, you, I have one one project that is closely related to this Bronx Bohemians blog and then one that is more related to, I guess I would say, current events.
0: uh, Let's do the blog, I'm familiar with that.
1: Okay, Um, so uh, I've been working on a a post about a poet named Hinda Zaretsky, um, who was part of this literary salon in the Bronx with Bertha Kling. and in one of her poems, uh, she uses this word um, um which, so it, it's got a prefix, and then the the word schwester, which means sister, um, but it's a verb, um, and it's not in any of the dictionaries that I would normally consult. And I could sort of infer from the context that it means to, you know, to connect. Um, she's talking about it uh, in in the context of um, one of the uh, New York city bridges uh, connecting uh, uh, two of the boroughs over the river. Um, but I was curious if it, if it meant something a little more specific than that. And so I searched it in the, on the OCR site and I came up with, um, I believe, six or seven other instances uh, in which the word is used um, as a verb in that way to mean sort of connect in this slightly more intimate sense, a slightly more familial sense. Um, And I never would have uh, been able to find um, those uses of the word without OCR, so it was very exciting for me. Um, Well, uh, Sylvia, thank you for joining me today and
0: Thank you for all your work and your fellowship and for the amazing OCR work in terms of making these finds. And I know it impacts your work in bibliography, in working on the exhibition, and also working on this totally cool new Bertha Kling Salon blog, which is also on YiddishBookCenter.org. So um, look forward to more of your finds that we can share out with the world and um, hope you stay safe and...
1: Talk to you soon. Thanks, Lisa. Zeikazin. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For more on Yiddish and Jewish culture, visit yiddishbookcenter.org. Today's podcast was coordinated by Sam Brivik and produced by Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.